Hi, everyone. My name is Virginia Duan, also known as Mandarin Mama. I'm your host for the podcast, Nina Army Podcast, where we discuss the particular aspects of being a middle-aged BTS fan. Today, I have a special guest, Jeff Harry. And um, a lot of you might know him from my YouTube reaction channel. And uh, apparently, he's many people's biases. He's also gotten proposals. It's very exciting. <laughs> and some people call him Opa Jeff. And I will not, because that's weird. <laughs> so, Jeff, can you please introduce yourself? <laughs> yes, I am Jeff Harry. Uh, I run an organization called Rediscover Your Play, where we help people tap back into their inner child, because that is where we believe the answers lie. And um, I've been introduced to BTS for now, what, two months? Uh, yeah, about two months, I think, since March. Oh, no, no. Oh, February. February, February. Oh. Early February, so mo a month. Yeah. A month. Yeah, I've been watching it for a month. I think it's been a month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so um, you were pretty, you seemed pretty, today we're going to talk about, like, um, BTS's main thing about love yourself, and then and you and I talked, I think, several months ago, maybe in the fall, about, like, inner critics and inner beasts and how, how we can make friends with our enemies. In fact, you have like a whole talk on that. So could you tell us a little bit about like why BTS caught your eye, particularly in Cypher 4 with the I love, I love, I love myself. Yeah. And then, and then how that connects to your talk on like making friends with your inner critic. Yeah. And how so that can work together. Ooh, so yummy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what I really what was that song? It's called Cipher Four. Cipher Four. So in Cipher Four, they say, "I love myself. I love myself. I love myself." And then they say, "I know myself. I know myself. I know myself." Which mm -hmm. I feel like that is, at least in the first world, is like almost everything that you're trying to do to become self-actualized. You know, if you're trying to get grounded. <clears throat> It's a combination of figuring out like who you are and then being like, okay, I actually appreciate or love who I am. Mm -hmm. And the part that I find really fascinating with most people is, you know, we talk about like, oh, all these challenges that are getting in our way. But really the main, the main tough person in your life is you. Right. Mm, yeah. That is like that is the the biggest challenge you have to deal with, the biggest person, the meanest person you have to deal with. Because as you've heard so many times, if your friends talk to you the way you talk to you, you would not be friends with that person, right? No, right. You'd be like, uh, "Are we friends? Where do you hate me?" <laughs> so I run a workshop where we actually first write down all of the mean things that are coming out that your inner critic says. Mm. And then we actually then identify what the inner critic sounds like, what the inner critic looks like, and what you would actually name your inner critic. Because mm -hmm. the part that's interesting is once you provide a character to it and you recognize that that character, mine is Gargamel, my mm -hmm. friend's um, um, inner critic is named as Tila Tequila. <laughs> you know, just like these ridiculous, you start to recognize these ridiculous characters that you needed when you were like maybe 10 or mm -hmm. 15, mm -hmm. you don't really need now as they're like yeah. saying still horrible things to you. Like, yeah, you're never going to 
amount to anything and no one wants to listen to you and you know no one cares what you have to say don't post this thing because people just think you're stupid like as you're stating these and and putting these out here and sharing them with other people you start to realize you're like oh that that's not me like that's not me at all mm -hmm. I, i'm people do care about me you know is this and you start to ask and start challenging your inner critic and being like is this true is this not true Mm -hmm. And that's probably the best thing you can do because you put the inner critic out in the light and then all of a sudden that person or that voice starts to fade away. Yeah, yeah. Well, because um, you and I went through this uh, in the fall, I think. And because uh, uh, Jeff, the reason why I even have a podcast and the reason why I am doing YouTube reaction is actually because of Jeff. I don't know if any of you people know that. And I think I've told this to you. Oh, I didn't know. Because um, because I think so Jeff and I know each other from the blogging the blogging circuit where we attend this conference called Mom 2.0. And I had seen him several years. Um, and I was and my our mutual friend had introduced us several years ago. And I was like, Oh, he's so cool. Um I'm totally not cool enough to be his friend. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, he's so funny. He's so cool with a like, bow tie and like so smart and so engaging. And I was just like, well, I guess I'll just, just wave to him. <laughs> I didn't want to be like, try to make you be my friend or anything. And then, um, was it this last year? Yeah. This last year? Yeah. I think, I think there was a lot of alcohol involved. <laughs> it must have been. And then we, we hit it off, right? And uh, Which I knew we would. I also felt the same way towards you. I was just like, she doesn't like me at all. She must hate me. <laughs> no, I loved you. I what, you am I, so awesome. what am I even doing here? This is a mom blog conference. I'm not a mom. Or a blog, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, and so, but um, yeah, we hit it off. And then one day you like either texted me or called me I forget and you're like hey what are you doing with your platform like why aren't you talking you oh I think we Facebook messaging each other oh yeah yeah, yeah that's what yeah. it is and he was like hey um you should talk about you should do YouTube or you should you should why didn't you should do videos you should do stuff <laughs> yeah I was just like your stuff is hilarious and you're super dope <laughs> And more people should hear more from you. That's what I think I said. Oh, well, yes. Talk it some more. <laughs> but I was like, ah, okay. <laughs> and, but then you goodwill hunting me. You, you, you so, and I, I, so for those of you who haven't seen goodwill hunting or like are not of my generation, um, goodwill hunting, there's a scene where Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are like drinking beer and looking at a construction site. On, a, on their truck and um, Matt Damon's character is like yeah I don't they offered me this like fancy job and I'm not gonna take it because I'm not gonna sell out I, I don't I don't need money who needs money and, and Matt Damon's after, like a genius right he's yeah like, he's, he's a total like, genius savant. and uh, Ben Affleck was like fuck you <laughs> and he's like wait what <laughs> he's like do you know how much I hope every day when I go to your house to pick you up that you don't even show up you don't even have to say goodbye to me I just hope you're not there because everyone wants to get out of this stupid neighborhood. And everyone would kill for your opportunity. And you're just like, oh, I don't want it. <laughs> and, and so, and I realized, like, the things that I didn't think were a big deal, 
um, or I thought I because you know you constantly compare yourself to other people like oh and I, I feel like I do a pretty good job of not comparing myself to other people but it's still it's inevitable you can't help but do so and you were like well you got to attend all these cool premieres you got to, you get to interview people you're being published like people would kill for that and I was like oh oh yeah that's right I would have killed for this, like even a year or two ago. <laughs> like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. And so I think that was very helpful. And we were working through our the inner critic mind's name, Chad. Um, Chad, oh Chad. <laughs> what are some of the things that Chad usually says to you or used to say to you? Well, it still does. Um, I just ignore him more. Um, but like, one of the big ones was no one cares what I think about BTS. There's so many things about BTS out there already. There's so many voices. There's so many like music critics writing about them. They're on every channel. There's like huge reactors. No one, and no one looks like me who's reacting to them. And no one cares what some middle-aged Asian lady is gonna, gonna care, is gonna say about BTS. Um, and uh, I guess it's not true. <laughs> Um, because well, you've already of, pro you've proven that it's not true. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think I was surprised because at the end of last year, um, I think I started writing more and more articles about BTS. I was just like, well, I'm just gonna, and uh, and someone, a writer, a, a writer who I did not know through the internet, found was googling, "Am I normal for loving BTS even though I'm old?" Or, or something, or like a middle-aged BTS fan or something. Yeah. And she happened upon a few of my posts. Wow. And then she emailed me, sent me like this amazing like email. And I was like, oh my God. And then I was so inspired by her that I wrote like a guide to being a middle-aged BTS fan. And then from then on, it just kind of snowballed because the response to that was really big and mm -hmm. or big for me. <laughs> I don't know about like big, huge, but... Um, but so it was, and um, yeah, so I think I feel more like, okay, I guess, I guess there is a space for me. And, and I don't know that I will be ever like a huge space, but I don't know. Who knows, right? Like, and uh, yeah, so anyway, so this is the long way of saying that part of it was also just like making friends with the inner critic. And then that's one way to love um to love myself right like to say like hey i'm i'm a legitimate voice uh it's not everybody's voice and not everybody might care about it but i have this platform and i'm going to use it yeah i think there's something powerful about the and i think it's even the it's powerful in the sense of of them saying i know myself like mm -hmm. i know i like this mm -hmm. and now i know that i want to share this mm -hmm. And I'm going to love it, even though sometimes I don't love myself. I still am going to love myself by putting this out here. Yeah. That's yeah. the risk. The risk is like, I might put it out here and get rejected, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that is super powerful for someone of like, of any age to hear, let mm -hmm. alone, let alone like a majority of their audience, which, which is that generation that, um, has to go through so much more comparison and FOMO than we ever oh, had. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. we didn't ha I, like, I didn't need to post everything. I met people at the mall, you know? Like, like that was like, that's my, that's my world. Their world is like, everything has to be so exciting all the time. Mm 
mm-hmm. even though they're teenagers. They can't always be doing exciting things the whole time. So it's so. I'm pretty sure nothing exciting ever happened to me. No. <laughs> When I listen to their conversations, when I listen to my nephew, he's 16's conversations, I'm like, oh, it's so boring. But like, you know, but they are like constantly feeling like they need to be uh, um, influencers that are, that are letting people know how amazing their lives are. So, mm. the, so I think the part that also really resonated with me from a, from a BTS standpoint is their music... Even the stuff I've heard that's been earlier, you can tell they're trying to figure out how to answer the question of like, who am I Mm -hmm. and what do I want to say? While when I think of most pop artists now, what they want to produce is the same crap that's always sold. that you, you, where you brag about yourself the whole time or you talk about love and how it's crushed you, but not really. You know, like you're just looking for like, you're just looking for viral videos or viral songs, you know, mm-hmm. um, using like old beats that like we know about back in like the 90s, 80s and 90s. You're like, dude, I just listened to a Rocky Balboa beat the other day that I'm like, dude, this is obviously from Rocky. Anyway, you know, so like, <laughs> And the, and the whole song was just about sex. And it was just like, I mean, you, like, I know you as an artist want to speak about more than that. But you can't break out of that because you know that is what the hand that feeds you. Right? Mm-hmm. And they, because they've been able to transcend K-pop and been able to transcend something more, they're like, okay, well, why don't I use this as a platform to say something really powerful but also not from a place of like here's some advice but more like i don't really know what i'm doing but i'm putting it back out there anyway and Mm -hmm. that is i think the part that i think is fascinating to watch them grow as you see with each and every song or you know lyric that they write you know yeah yeah and i think part of the interesting thing to me is uh because we're like 15 to 20 years older than them um, a lot of the things that they're saying, I would say like the majority of the things that they have talked about or have spoken about, I'm like, yeah, I, I know this. Right. Right. It's nothing like, I don't, and I, and I don't mean this in like a patronizing way. It's just more like, they're not saying anything particularly new, but they're saying it in a way that people can find can, because of their fandom. Yes. Can accept. And perhaps for some people in their generation it is the first time that they've heard absolutely it. or even our generation it doesn't matter what generation right but like i find it i think that's why they resonated with me so much it's like oh like i feel like at some point like you you just get to a certain age where um no one is actually telling you anything new yeah like you get to that point in like church yep. or like blogging or business and but it's not it but it's not about new it's about like does it sink in yep or is it is it presented in a way where you can finally look and, and depending on where you are at the time you consume it like are you in a place to receive that message right so i just, that's what i find so interesting and i and i just i find it so powerful can you i mean i'm to this day i'm going to i'm going to regret the end of my life (laughs) 
by not being able to be in an arena full of like 50, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 people screaming, I love, I love, I love myself. All right. Like, can you imagine? The well, you might have that? to create that for yourself. Hello, let's go. <laughs> you do a talk. Imagine if you did a talk for like a thousand people, which easily you will definitely do. And, <laughs> and you got people to like just stand up and do that part. That's the part that's so powerful for me is because like how many songs are speaking to certain generations that are communicating that message. You and I probably hear that message all the time from like yeah. toxic positivity, you know, like, you know, guru, you know, are you ready to start the day? This is how you're going to start the day. got to make your bed. And then after you make your bed, then you got to, you know, and make sure to do a list of all these things and look at how I, I coordinate all my social media. And it's like, oh, you're just too perfect for me. Right. Just too perfect. Yeah. And, and the message of like, I love myself in all of my okayness, as my friend Leslie Lou says, you know, like not per, I'm, she's like, I'm not a perfectionist. I'm an okayist. Meaning like, <laughs> I'm okay just with what I'm making, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I think, I think, people in our generation are trying to like believe that we by now should have figured out life mm. <laughs> or solved it, you know? Right, right, right. And then the people I resonate with like you and Liz um, are people that are like, I'm just figuring this out as I go along. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm <laughs> I have the humility to at least admit that. You know, mm -hmm. while you see so many people that are coming from a very insecure place that are like, this is what you got to do. And these are the three things you got to do in order to be successful. And you can tell, you can hear it in their voice. And it's like, ugh, like you don't even believe this as your are <laughs> I think that's what I'm saying from the music standpoint is like, they are speaking from a humble, I don't know what we're doing, but we're figuring it out place. Mm -hmm. as opposed to the insecure, is this what you want? Do you want more songs about sex and money? And like, you know, what else do you want? Because I can give that to you um, because they're like, because you're, you're reaching, you know, it's like you need validation as opposed mm -hmm. to being like, I know myself. I've validated who, what I want to say and I'll put it out here and like, take it or leave it. This is who I am. So mm -hmm. And that's the part that I think resonates most with, with me, with you, is mm. <laughs> so brutally honest and hilarious <laughs> in your way of showing up that it's, it gives other people permission to also do that. Well, thank you. Um, that's, that's what I've been trying to do. To, like, ultimately, I really just want people to not feel alone in whatever they're going through. So if it, whether it's like teaching their kids Chinese and like, realizing that it's mostly chaos and I just scream at them in Chinese. So maybe they'll learn Chinese that way <laughs> or, you know, not feeling as if they're the only older BTS fan, like even something as small as that, right? Like, um, but I don't think any of that is small. It's never small. I'm even reading, uh, some of that, maybe this book belonging by Radha Argo. Oh, yeah. uh -huh. Um, do you know, um, Daybreakers. It sounds familiar. So Daybreakers is this morning dance party. Oh, really? 
that she created. Yeah, she created this morning dance party because she used to, in her 30s, she would go to clubs and bars all the time. And mm -hmm. she'd be like, what am I doing? I black out. I talk to people about stupid stuff that I don't really care about. Mm -hmm. And she's like, and the only reason I'm here is to connect and build community. And none of that's happening. So mm -hmm. she and a bunch of friends started doing like in their basement or whatever it is. In the morning, they would do like yoga and dance parties. And oh. doing them. And then they rented out a club at like 8 a.m., which is super cheap because there's no one renting out clubs at 8 a.m. <laughs> they do yoga at 7 a.m. And then they would dance from 8 to like 9.30. And they did this in New York. And it became so popular. They mm -hmm. do it once a month. And it became so popular, it expanded to 25 different cities. Wow. And then they started expanding to other countries. So, and it's just like this morning dance party. That's all it is. It's just a morning dance party with no alcohol. You know, you shouldn't be on drugs when you show up and everything like that. But anyway, she was talking about like community and how, you know, ultimately what people want to feel is they don't want to feel alone. Mm. And most, what did he, I think she said this, I was just reading this, but she was just like, one in four people consider themselves um, not able to confide in anybody. Oh, that's sad. I know. And that's like increased with the Instagram generation. And oh. um, yeah, what is it? One in four Americans report that they have zero friends to confide in and discuss important matters with. Right? <laughs> so sad. And then I learned this in positive psychology, but she mentioned it also. Like another study found that having weak social ties is harmful to your health as much as being an alcoholic and twice as harmful as being obese. Really? So like even in this like virtual way, just feeling connected with someone because someone is giving you permission to like something that you didn't mm. think you could like mm. is huge. Yeah. And then when you, when they write a comment, they're like, thank you so much for doing this. And you write them back and you're like, Oh, I'm so glad because that really helps me. And then they're like, oh, that really helps me. All of a sudden now you're like, that's a connection. Like yeah. something that is going to keep me going so that even though it's just about BTS or it's just like, it's just a song, whatever. It then, cat, um, uh, what is it? It has a domino effect to do other things. Mm -hmm. You're like, well, maybe I should create something. Look mm -hmm. how happy she is creating this. So I should, I should take a risk. And like, that's the whole point. That's why I'm so into play because play really is like someone giving you permission to be ridiculous and be silly. And then mm -hmm. it gives another person permission, another person. And then all of a sudden, everyone is like jumping up saying, I love myself. I love myself. <laughs> you know, like, 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 oh my gosh, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. <laughs> Make that a meme. I'm not alone. <laughs> You know, you ask people to do it and they just might. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, you know, one of the things that I um, really appreciate about like the Love Yourself arc is that it found me when I was, well, I found it when I was really, really struggling with my identity as like a mom, as mm -hmm. a creative person, as a writer. Um, and that's one of the main reasons that drew me into BTS. Like, of course, like, the music is important because let's be real. If it doesn't sound good, then I don't really care what it's talking about. That's true. Um, or if it's not packaged well, I'm 
I'm, you can forgive, like, they don't have to be good dancers, but, like, that helps. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. uh, so all of that is, they like... They don't have to be sexy, but, you know... <laughs> I that, mean, that six pack does not, uh, does not hard. It's great to, great to look at. Right. You know, like a six pack can help. A six pack is either social lubrication or something else. <laughs> at least it's a great thing to use when the washer breaks. You know, right, right. those washboard apps. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I mean, I'd like to say that I also have abs. It's just hidden. It's just very safely. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're in my cooler. They're in my igloo cooler. Right. There's just a lot of padding. <laughs> but um, yeah. But I feel like one of the things that I've always appreciated about BTS is they're from the very beginning. Uh, their creator, um, the, the the their main producer, the guy who like formed the group. Um, they call him Bang PD, and um, he told them that I want you to write songs that express, that tell your story. Mm -hmm. So because they wrote their song songs, that's why at the very, the first few albums was about school and like unrequited love and like, you know, they're kind of horny teenagers, like, you know, because- That's where they're at, right? That's right? where they're at. And, but then they were also like, hey, they're worried about not having dreams. They're worried about, you know, they want big house, big car, big, rings big things you know um like that that's one of their like repeat phrases that they keep calling back to like um and they just yeah so i think that's what's always appealed to me about them because they're writing about the things that they know and yeah and, and they they always tell writers write about what you know right um, and and that's why i feel like they do know themselves and then um because then they were struggling with like oh, well, people tell me that I'm this or that, am I an idol, am I an artist, am I a rapper, am I a singer, like, what am I, uh, am I just, am I this persona, am I, am I this other thing, and, like, they're, when they all sing about the, like, the inner beast or inner critic, like, they feel like they're, that's what they call their monster, right, that they, mm -hmm. there's multiple songs that they have about it, they, they're afraid of showing themselves because they're a monster, right? and I feel like that's, that's part of what loving yourself is, right? Seeing, looking deep into your like ugly parts, whether you call it your inner critic, like your inner beast, like your like Jekyll and Hyde type of thing. Like it's looking at that and loving that part also. Maybe yep. not, maybe not loving how it lashes out or whatever, but just saying, no, that's a part of me that, and you can seek healing, like you can seek therapy, you might need medicine, you might need like all sorts of support, right? But like, that is part of you and it's part of your story and that's formed who you are. Right. I am. And part of loving yourself is accepting that. Yeah. I, I love the phrase of like, you can have fear in your car, just don't have it in the front seat, you know? Oh. And it's just this idea of like, because you, you still need fear. Like fear is there <laughs> to protect you sometimes from doing really stupid stuff. But it's like, but it doesn't need to be your, your driver. And it doesn't need to be, you don't need to be, listen, you could just put it in the back seat and have it just hang out back there and be like, okay, I hear, I hear what you have to say. Thank you. Thank you for your input. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm still going to post it, you know, right, right, right. you know, and I think that, I think that part is, um, is crucial. I think the other part that I find really 
interesting is I saw this quote recently. I don't know where it is. I'll find it at some point. But it was, what were they saying? They were like, before you try to rush back to your normal life, mm-hmm. um, ask yourself what you actually want to rush back to mm. in your normal life. Because there's like this desire right now, right? In this situation where it's just like, I wish things could just go back to normal, right? Mm-hmm. But then was that normal something you really liked? You know? Right, right. <laughs> was that just something that like, you were familiar with and I, this time is a really great opportunity for us to get to know ourselves right mm-hmm. and us to love ourselves but it's also like getting to know yourself is hard it's mm-hmm. rough it's you know and trust me there's a lot of times where I'm like oh my gosh bad thoughts are coming what's on Netflix let me find out about the Tiger King because <laughs> the Tiger King is going to provide me sustenance and then afterwards, after I've eaten my Cheetos, which is the Tiger King in my situation, then I'm <laughs> back to being like, oh, here come these thoughts again. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, and I think what I really love about uh, BTS is that they know themselves and also have the humility to be like, and also I'm just trying to figure this out. So I don't really yeah. know. you know. And I'm going to question it. In a moment, I'm going to question where I just was at just a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're doing it publicly for everyone to see. Right. And most people do this privately and, and, and most people don't ever do it. (laughs) Like they they kind of just live this like standard life, you know, make sure my 401k is full. I I mean, that's important. That's important. I don't get me wrong. (laughs) It's just like you do all these things because this is what you're told is going to please you. And then as, as what Jim Carrey said, he's like, I wish everyone was rich and famous like me. Because then they would realize that all the stuff that you get with this is not what you want. Mm. And it's like, ugh, you know, it's just like, you really got to know what it is it that actually brings you that love, happiness, and that gratification that you desire, you mm-hmm. know, that you're not chasing the wrong things. Yeah. And then it's also... Um, I feel like the reason why... It's not just through their music. Because they actually interact a lot with our fans. They have this platform called VLive or VApp. And it's not their platform, but they, a lot of K-pop stars use it. And it's, it's like a very, it's like YouTube Live or like Periscope where they go live and people can watch them and like send hearts and, you know, Facebook Live, whatever, any type of live platform. Uh, but it's big enough to sustain like millions like um, they get to the point where like even one of them live streaming gets like a million people wow in korea time right like, like but you know but we watch them we see them go, go from like kind of really insecure rookies and like really trying really hard and people shitting on them and they didn't have dressing rooms they didn't get they weren't given dressing rooms they had to practice in the hallways of mm-hmm. shows you know and people treated them like crap you know, which I'm not saying that they were unique in that. I mean, I think that's just part of the industry that right. if you weren't like a big group, then they would treat you like crap. Um, but like, but just how that could have changed them into like, they could have been people who also treated people like crap because they're yep. like, hey, that's what, that's, that's the industry. That's how that's it works. Industry, yeah, exactly. You know? I dealt with that trauma. So now I'm going to pass that trauma. On right, right. But they chose, they choose to break the cycle. So you see interview after interview of like photographers, makeup artists, like anyone who has ever like 
met them, touched them, whatever, right? And they're like, they are the nicest, kindest, most humble people that they will go out of their way to thank you. They're like, why are they bowing to us? Like, you know, or like, why are they? And they're just like so humble. And so like they have, they'll reach out to friends who maybe they hear is having a hard time. And they'll say, hey, I don't mean to be rude or whatever. But like, so Jin, Jin met one of the guys, this uh, rapper named Snoopy, and he's the one who discovered RM <laughs> and told like big hit about, about RM. And that's how they became BTS, right? But um, he heard that Sleepy was having money troubles or like fights with his agency about money. Mm. And so Jin was with Sleepy on this like survivor type show. And so he reached out. And so Sleepy is older than Jin and then also was, has been in the industry longer. And right. so it kind of breaks a lot of taboos to like reach out to someone who's older than you right. to offer money, right? And it's an Asian society, so it's like yep. very... Yep. He's like, hey, I don't, I don't want you to take this in an insulting way, but I heard you're having like a fight with your company, and if you need help monetarily, I can help you. Wow. Right? And if he's not saying this to get any... It doesn't help him, right? Yep. <laughs> it doesn't help Jin, right? But like, and he doesn't ever expect someone to like, tell other people about this right you know like so he's not doing it for clout or anything you know but um but that's those are the type of people they are you know and like and that to see that that they have chosen to repay evil with kindness and like humility and like to learn from that to, to break that cycle to say hey no this is another way you can be and again i'm not saying that other k-pop artists are like or not assholes, right right um this is i'm obviously a bts fan and i stand them and i I, I follow them, right? Um, so, but I feel like it's given me a lot of examples that even though I'm older and obviously know how to treat people kindly with respect, but like even how they treat fans who may have liked them at some point, but then no longer like them. Um, like Jungkook was saying, has said before, like, hey, thank you to the fans who supported us at the beginning and are still supporting us now, like the day ones, right? But then he's like, but also thank you to fans who liked us for a moment and then we no longer served their purpose. Wow. So he, and he's like, thank you, because you also brought us to where we are today. So wow. I think any amount of time you spent with me. And that actually changed a lot of how I view my readers and, and like, I guess, my small contingent of followers. Like, right. Uh, right. Because for a long time, I would be like, hey, like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't, I'm no longer talking about Chinese exclusively. Yeah. But then I realized, like, no. That's the wrong attitude. I'm so now I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the amount of time that they spent with me, however small, you know, because every part of their interaction helped me get to where I am. And I'm actually very happy. Oh, that's yeah, so. awesome. That's so um, transcendent. Right? Like, and he's like, he was like 21 when he said that. I was not that like. Like he, he's 22 now, so he's not that much older. But like when I was 21, I was not about that. I was not talking about that. I was like, please like me, please like me all the time, right? please. I'd be like, you horrible people. Why don't you see my, why don't you see me for the genius that I am? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I think that's where you, that it comes down to the feeling grounded, feeling like you understand who you are and mm -hmm. feeling like um, if you leave, I'll still be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you can speak from that standpoint. And I and, and something that came up for me just as you were think as you were talking, because I was like, 
I was also like, why do they have so many hit songs? And I was like, oh, I get it. It's because not only are they writing their own stories, but they're willing to take a risk in writing something brand new, even mm. if people don't like it. Mm-hmm. And I compare that to the one hit wonders that you have. <laughs> like their whole goal was to become rich and famous, right? Mm. So then they write this one hit wonder, they're can't touch this or whatever the song it is that they have, right? I mean, MC Hammer also had bumps in the hump. I didn't have the bumps. It was Get Touch or Ice Ice Baby or whatever the day song. Everyone had it, right? But then once they have it, then they're done. Then they're like, I'm good. Like they try a little bit, but they're now famous and they're now, and they're like, I'm going to ride this song forever. And I remember seeing like young MC perform like, five years ago and I was oh. like I didn't even know you were still alive but he was performing at like some corporate <laughs> event or something like that I was like oh my gosh look at him and it's because they have chosen to just be like I don't want to create anything brand new anymore or maybe I did but I didn't really want to take that risk to go vulnerable again I'm just going to ride out the same thing even that even though that's not me anymore Mm. You know, like, I know MC Hammer for a fact hates singing Can't Touch This, right? Like, he's been commuting a lot of times. People are like, can you do this? And it's like, no, like, that's not who I am. But he also knows that that's his moneymaker, and he, like, right. doesn't create anything else that one would like, right? So, I mean, too like, legit to quit. Too legit to quit. He doesn't do it, doesn't do it right? though. <laughs> but isn't that the, like, Oakland A song? <laughs> or Montel Jordan with, this is how we do it. You know, like, so... so for them, they are constantly trying to create, push themselves to create something else and almost let go of whatever majestic, amazing creation they've done in the past. Mm. And it kind of reminds me, I mean, this is a bit of a reach, but it kind of reminds me of those, those Buddhist monks who, who work on those sand designs like, oh. for a whole month and then no one gets to see it. They don't take photos and post it on Instagram they literally work on it until it's so beautiful and then they're willing to put it outside and have the wind just blow it away, almost like it never existed. Dude. And it's like... That's not a metaphor for existence. Like, can you (laughs) do that? Can we do that? Nope. You know? (laughs) Nope, I'm telling you right now, nope. (laughs) But that is the humility that they are partly doing when when they choose to be like, oh, we don't sing that anymore that's not who we are anymore, but we are now creating something new. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you'll be on the ride with us. But if you're not, then thank you for the time that you spent with us. Which yes. is so like deep, dude. It's so like, you know, mature of someone. It is. It is. And then like even, well, I mean, to be fair, they do have a good team. So they talk about how like they're always, it's like a songwriting camp. Okay. All the time, so they're always writing. They're always submitting lyrics. Um, everyone, they're kind of competing as a team to like see who gets their lyrics in, who gets the melody. They work with a bunch of producers, so it's always they say it's like a year-round song band, like song camp, songwriting camp. Because you you know that's how um, songs are written now, right? Like they have like they yeah. So uh, even in the Western industry, like they'll bring up like thirty songwriters, lyricists, and like producers. And then, like, put them in a room for all day, like, for, like, three days, like, a weekend. And then they'll just bang out 
shit. So like um, Kanye yeah. West did that, like did a whole bunch of sessions with like Paul McCartney. And like, so it, it became one of his albums or whatever. Like, so oh. like snippets of things. So that's a lot of how songs get written now um, is by collaboration. That's why you see like 10 names on a song. Right? Oh, um, and so, so they do that a lot now within their own big hit staff and producers. And then they will also source out, like people will send them songs and they'll fix them or like change them to fit what they want. Uh, but the fact that they're just even secure enough that they, they're like, you could, you could go the route of like, no, you know, I don't want to use other people's words or I don't want to use other people's beats or, but that, but that they're smart enough and humble enough to know like, no, it's not just a one person show. And the fact that there's seven of them. Yeah. Like I meant to talk about this in my previous episode, but like, um, so did you see that Grammy performance? Uh, I don't think Was so. Little Nas X? No. Speaking of someone who has written a song <laughs> for a long time. So Little Nas X's song, you know, Old Town Road. Had oh, like, that guy. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Well, yeah. Had like a bajillion remixes, right? Right. So BTS loved that song, especially RM. So RM did a remix with Little Nas X called Soul Town Road. And so part of it was in like Korean and all this stuff. And because BTS weren't nominated for a Grammy, uh, and they presented the year before, but Grammy wanted them, you know, to bring their fans to watch, right? So they asked um, BTS to perform with Lil Nas X. And no one knew. We thought we were, people were hoping that they would get their own stage, but it was almost impossible because you really don't get a performance unless if you're nominated or whatever. Um, but, uh, but they were very willing to be on the Grammy stage mm. for like maybe 45 seconds as almost background singers. Wow. Right. And then, and, and the thing is, it could have just been RM because RM is the only feature on that song. Right. But he brings the whole group to perform. They bring the whole group. He shares the spotlight with them. And like, um, every, and one of the things that I very, I find very admirable about, um, BTS uh, is that they their their company has a policy of it's an all or nothing type of thing. You either get all seven of them to endorse your product, or you get none of them. Wow! Whereas a lot of other K-pop groups, each individual people, there's more right. popular members. I mean that. I mean, of course, right? Like, like that's just what happens. But no, they're like, no, it's all all or none. You get all of us or zero of us, and. Um, that's yes. also interesting because then it's not like a money grab where you're like, well, I'm just going to get what, take whatever I want. It's just like, we all have to agree. Mm -hmm. And then everything they do, they like, they just work together. And um, like, even when they release their solo projects uh -huh. and their solo mixtapes and their solo songs, like things that they've written, they've even said like, Hey, we are happy when you like our solo songs. Like, of course we're happy when you buy it and chart it and like you break, you help us break records but we don't care as much about our individual effort as we care about our group effort. Whoa. And that takes a lot of like, you have to know yourself really well because yeah. you know what? Um, I'm going to be honest. Like if my kids did something awesome and went viral and they, they became famous, of course I'd be happy because I mean, 50% of my genetic makeup, clearly that's what got them there. Um, but I'd be like, yo, 
<laughs> like, I've been putting this in for a while. How about, what about y'all? What about... And they're my children. They came out of my body, right? And of course I'd be happy for them. But, like, I don't know if I'm secure or mature enough to say, like, no, that's what matters to me. Yeah. The, the, the good of the whole versus just myself. It's, it's like you have to know yourself really well. Yeah. It's interesting. My, my friend Gary Ware, who's, like, an improv player, like, you know, improvisationalist um, and teaches a lot about improv, um, would talk about how when you're doing improv, your goal is not be the funniest. Oh, like that's not your goal. Your goal, your one of your main goals is to make everyone else look good. Interesting. That's that's how a scene works the best is when everyone is pushing the scene forward and doing whatever they can to help the other improv players. And when someone is trying to take over the scene and dominate it for themselves just to be funnier, even if, let's say, they are the funniest, um, it ruins the scene. It might, it might help them, but it ruins it because everyone else has to move to the background. And that's the part that I think is really amazing what they're doing is they're like, as long as we're supporting and helping others look good, you know, it helps everybody. Yeah, yeah. You have to be, it's tough because your ego wants to be like, well, I haven't been in the scene enough. I need to do something for me right. um, to be, to stand out. But that actually destroys the, the chemistry and the play that makes the performance so great. Mm. And then it, it requires a lot of trust. So much scene. trust. Because you have to trust that everybody is actually trying to make everybody else look good and yep. not just themselves. But if everybody actually is making everyone else look good, then everybody looks good. Yep. Right? So that that's it's like a counterintuitive kind of thing. Yeah, I even talk about this in um uh another workshop where there's something they refer to as the brilliant jerks where <laughs> a lot of companies hold on to brilliant jerks because that jerk brings in a lot of money. Mm. But the challenge with that is then it destroys the team. Yeah. The process. And what um, I think Simon Sinek talked about this from the Navy SEAL standpoint is they'd rather not have the most talented, most athletic, most um, uh, physically fit um, Navy SEAL. Because if that person is not willing to work as a team, the team is done. So oh, they'll okay, take okay. someone that is mediocre when it comes to shooting or mediocre when it comes to certain skills because they help the team um, work better together. Wow. And it's just, and by, yeah. And even a mediocre Navy SEAL is still like it's way still, better. <laughs> it's, because it's, yeah, because they're still amazing, but the team is the most important part and not the person. And I think mm. what's really tough about American society is we so much talk about the individual. Yeah. And how we celebrate the individual. And then you see a, a group like this and it's like, well, even me, when I was watching them, I was like, well, who's the leader? And you're like, oh, there's not really a leader. And it's like, no, but I need to know who's number one. And it was like, <laughs> oh, they kind of switch off. And, I was, and that's just not a mentality that is um, embraced in America as much. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like, let's celebrate everybody as opposed to like, who's number one. Right, right. And this is, I feel like that's different that everyone gets a like participation trophy. Yeah. Right. Because it's not saying that you show up and then like you, you get a trophy. It's like, no, you, you show up and you do the work and you make everyone look good. And that's what you get that trophy, right? Like, um, and when you think of any amazing presentation or performance or, you know, what have you workshop retreat, you know, it goes really well when at the end of it, you're like, well, thank you so much for coming. And then they're like, no, thank you for hosting this. And you just keep thanking each other. (laughs) You don't know who gave to who, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Because like the person on stage is like, I'm so happy that you showed up and are Mm -hmm. willing to listen to me. And the people in the audience are like, I'm so happy you showed up and were willing to share. It's like, oh, I feel like it's an equal exchange and, and no one is, there's no hierarchy there. Yeah, yeah. Um and that's like the magic I want to create more and more, man. Let's go. Yeah. That's why BTS just sucks you in because it's not just the music. It's it like my husband doesn't get it. I mean, I think he gets it from like a purely like superficial standpoint. He's like, all right, that's cool. Um, but like it's not it ultimately the music is what brings you in, right? Um, and you stay in because the music is good. Right. But, but, but what, what keeps you is the people, right? Because there's plenty of music out True. there that I consume, that I like, True. that I enjoy. And I'm like, these are shit humans. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, for a really crass example, Harvey Weinstein and their company, right? Oh, yeah. Put out a lot of amazing movies. A lot of awesome products. Yeah. Real shit humans. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Um, Brilliant well, could, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, a predator, right? And one could argue that you, some people are like, oh, well, maybe he was able to create those products because he's an asshole. Right. But, but can you imagine, but flip it the other way around, can you imagine the quality of work that would have happened if, it, if he weren't preying exactly. on the women? Exactly. Right? Like, if they were, if they felt safe, can right. you imagine the performance that they would you know, so I think it's a, it's like that. Like I, I feel like everything that they produce, like even if it's just like the, their lives. Talking about, um, there's lives of Jimin, and who's like, a, he's a total perfectionist, and like would get really down on himself. And yeah, sometimes he'll hit a bad note. You know, like that's fine. Um, he's a person, <laughs> right? Like it's. It's really hard to sing really high while you're dancing after you've already been singing and dancing for over an hour. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right? Like, come on. But he'll, and he's, he's released lives or like vlogs where he's just like, yeah, I'm really sad. You know, I feel like I've not done a good job. I mm-hmm. haven't, I'm, I'm not a good singer. I'm trying to improve. I don't know why. But, you know, like, it, so if you watch their, um, they have, three three behind the scenes like behind like tour movies and then like three tour documentaries Mm. and you just watch them and you're just like and you see them as people you see how hard they work and how i mean and again this is not saying other people don't work hard right we're just talking about their story right Right. this is not taking away from other people right um and just how humble they are they're all constantly thanking their staff 
and their stylists. Because to put on a concert, we always glorify BTS because they're the ones like dancing and singing on stage. But that wouldn't have happened if the pyrotechnics people did That's true. Job, or the lighting or the yep. sound or like all all the makeup, hair, all those people. Like I think it's a crew of 180 people right. to help put on a concert. You know, like 180 people. And they thank them. And all their like album liner notes, they're always like, thank you so much to the staff. And every like acceptance speech that they do at an awards show, they've thanked like, of course, they always thank Army first, but then they're like, thank you to the hair and makeup stylist. Like, thank you to the people who bring us our food. Like, because we don't know how to do anything. <laughs> like, all we know, like, she just said, like, all I know how to do is sing and dance and make music. I know mm -hmm. how to do absolutely nothing else. <laughs> like, and so the fact that I'm alive, other people have helped me, have helped keep me alive. <laughs> Like he's like, I don't know. Um, but you know, it's just that, that they, they see that they're just so, but, but you know, and I feel like you can say thank you and not mean it. And like, you just, yep. you know, but like the way that they thank people, sometimes it's like they're crying and they're not that great of actors. <laughs> and, and you know, they're just, but the reason why I include this on the love yourself portion is because I feel like so many of us are ungrateful and not thankful to people because we feel as if it takes away from us if we are if we thank somebody mm -hmm. like we feel like and that's because we're coming from a place of insecurity and smallness yep and really if we if we look at it this is going to sound really cheesy but uh, one of the most influential episodes i've ever seen on uh, on tv was um fresh prince of bel-air <laughs> <laughs> Will Smith um, gets it into his head that he's going to be like Uncle Phil and be a self-made man. Uh -huh. He doesn't accept any help and doesn't, like, he's trying to do all these jobs and, like, he's mad and, like, he's trying to do it all on his own and he can't do it. And, he like, he gets really upset. And Uncle Phil's like, you, you idiot. Like, I I'm not a self-made man. So many people have helped me. Mm -hmm. And you need to accept help in order to get somewhere. And it doesn't, you're not like lesser if you don't accept help. Mm -hmm. um, that's smart. Um, and and I, I, that's always stuck with me. Like, uh, and, so, and so that's why I feel like it's important. If you know yourself, then you know that other people are part of your journey, right? right. Like, so I'm confident enough to say like, hey, without, without you, I would not have been doing any of these things. Like if, because I think even you had me guest on, like we did a, like a test Zoom, like of a recording or something like, like that made me a little bit more comfortable. Like, oh, it's possible, you know, or like, like people like Randy Riley, who, who, you know, is my like coach and mastermind person. Like, for, like I always shout her out because I would not be here without her. Right. I always shout out Liz, our friend Liz, because without her, I would not be here, right? right. That doesn't take away anything from that I've done, right? Like they, they didn't do things for me, but they also did things for me, <laughs> you know? So, but I feel like that is part of the love yourself message because you have to know where you come from. You have to know all the people who helped form you. Right. And, and if you love yourself and you know yourself well enough, then it doesn't take away anything from mm -hmm. you to recognize the people who helped you get where you are. Which, which then I think then, because the story of the self-made person is such the American entrepreneurial, 
Why? Yeah, yeah, the guy story of like, I pulled myself up from my own bootstraps type thing, which then is driven solely on ego because it's like, I did it. So I did it so you can do it, but you'll have to do it just like how I did it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, to actually acknowledge all the people that supported you, a part of you does have to be like, oh, I'm not here if they don't exist, which yeah. is, which then is tough for some people to embrace that because I think of like privilege and how if you ask a lot of people that are in positions of power right now and be mm-hmm. like, dude, do you recognize your privilege as to why you are where you're at? A lot of people will be like, what are you talking about? I did this all by myself. And for them to acknowledge that privilege, they would have a mental breakdown, you know, because <laughs> they built this whole story on this house of cards where like mm-hmm. I got into school because I deserved to, I got this job because I deserved you. I got this position, you know, I'm, I'm CEO because I deserve to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is on a fragile like foundation. Um, but that's what America's founded on, right? America is founded on the idea that we're self-made, that we're independent, but really we're founded on rape, genocide and slavery. <laughs> right? Like, really? of course, of course, we we stole land. We didn't honor treaties. Right. We, we, we stole land. Then we brought more people to help build our wealth. For free. Killed millions of them. You know. We brought more people and we paid them very low, you know, to build mm-hmm. our railroads and all this other stuff. Like, it's just like, it's this perpetual lie that we've been saying. But it's because we don't, because America doesn't know its history. Yeah. Right? It doesn't know itself and therefore it cannot love itself because, I because am, what it knows is a lie. I agree with you. So. Wait, wait. Say, finish that last part as I didn't hear that. Oh, because, because what we think we know is a lie. Yeah. Right? And uh, it doesn't it doesn't take away from like the amazing things that happened. Yep. But it also doesn't make it like this fake Hey. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't embrace the whole complexity of it right and maybe that's the challenge with people is like how do you like in that movie pixar the inside out movie where they have two emotions at the same time at the end mm-hmm. it's oh. just, how can both exist how can i both feel like i've done so much in my life that i can be really proud of and really proud of myself and also recognize that all these people helped me do this Right. Because a lot of times we believe in these this black and white, you know, um, yeah, yes, no, mm-hmm. win, lose sort of mentality when it's like, it's more complicated than that. Right. You know? And that's the part that I think they bring is they bring a certain level of complexity to a pop music world that, that people are not usually used to. Yes. And it's refreshing. Not, uh, not that there's no place for like songs about sex and like love and we have so whatever. many. But there, yes, there's just so many. Like there's just so many, <laughs> and most of it's not good. <laughs> it's the same stuff. So I will say one takeaway I took from this, which I really think is an important message that I need to also keep telling myself is. Even if someone is creating, even if so many people are creating stuff that you think you, well, it's already been created, so I don't feel like creating, like, 
who wants to hear my voice? It's like, yes, other people have created it, but you haven't created it. So it's definitely going to be from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely going to open up. I mean, what is it? There's almost 8 billion people in the world. Like, there's definitely some people that are going to resonate and see that for you. Mm-hmm. And even if it's only a few thousand people, that's still a lot of people, man. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think a lot of times we think, um, well, if, if I, it's not going to be a million people, then it's not, then I'm nobody. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just think of your friends, like your friends are impacting just a few people, but they are changing lives. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This is probably one of our longer podcasts. So thank you for uh, listening uh, and sticking with us. And um, yeah, maybe Jeff will have his own podcast and then we can promote his podcast. Because <laughs> I would certainly listen to your podcast. All right. So thank you so much, everyone. Please like and subscribe. Hit the notification bell or uh, like and subscribe on the podcast. However that works. I always forget. All right. Thanks so much. And have a great day. Bye. Thanks for having me. See ya.